You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue once on again with our third watch recap series, our exclusive series, as we move in to the 18th episode of the fourth season. This one is called Last Call. It was first aired on the 31st of March 2003, written by Ed Alan Bonero and some guy called Scott Williams, never heard of him, and directed by Lee David Zlotoff. And uh, what an episode we're in for today. It is an absolute treat to finally get to this episode to talk to you about this one with you wherever you are listening to our show. My name is Ben, and want to play some cards? <laughs> Maybe later. My name is Darvell, and don't you understand? Every good thing in my life dies! That's pretty powerful. Um, I'll probably just leave then, right now. Um, <laughs> if you're simply saying that to me. Uh, awkward moment. Um, welcome back, Darvell, to another episode, and one I think that you and I have both been uh, very much anticipating and looking forward to covering, uh, I, I mentioned, I think, at the end of last episode that arguably one of the, the top ten episodes of Third Watch, maybe even higher, who knows? Uh, but yeah, this is this is one I'd of those. I put it in top five personally, but that's just this me. Is one of those episodes where you know this episode, you remember this episode, and this really is one of the most memorable and powerful episodes of this show. Agreed. Agreed, man. Mm. Yes. yes. All right. Indeed. Well, we're going to get straight into this one so. and talk about it because obviously after everything that's been slow building up through everything that's happened with Sully, we're kind of here today to um, get him dried out. And I, I guess a lot of what this will be, it's, I mean, it's a very dialogue heavy episode. So um, yes. this, this is going to be one of those episodes that probably we do skim through fairly quickly, but it's not necessarily anything against the episode because we're going to be praising this one like nothing else. There is, of course, one moment that people are anticipating that I'm going to go off about. But, uh, yeah, just, just a fair warning. You've probably already seen the, the running time of this one when you've downloaded it, but I feel this one's going to be skimmed through fairly quickly just because we can get through a lot of this, um, sort of lumped together in various stages. Yes. Um, but we do sort of get a big long previously on where it's sort of just really showing us everything that's, uh, happened with Sully and kind of in the lead up to, uh, where we've reached this point. It includes a, a very, uh, long flashback show, from actually. the very first, uh, season where uh, Sully was telling Davis about what happened to his dad. And this is one of those moments where, you you know, we've seen this show many times. We've started covering this from the very first episode. But you look at this and you just see, wow, Davis looks so young. Even Sully looks so young. Uh, and this was only four seasons ago, three seasons ago. So it's always um, interesting when you yeah. get a flashback from the very first season to kind of just see how much these characters have changed in their appearances. But um, we we open up <laughs> with sort of a montage, basically, of Sully sitting on the couch, uh, watching TV, him drinking, stumbling home, having sort of visions every now and then. Uh, and I guess the most poignant part of this is he's sitting on this couch with his gun in his hand, staring at this TV, and it kind of eventually fades into this zoom up of the TV, then you hear a bang before we get into the credits. Now, of course, this is all set to uh, Johnny Cash's Hurt, which I don't know if many people actually... Appropriate song. Oh, a brilliant song. And I don't know if many people actually know that it's not actually Johnny Cash's song. Um, I believe the original is, uh, was it Limp Biscuit? No, Nine Inch Nails. There we go. That is the original band who sang this. But 
Um, it essentially got more famous because of Johnny Cash. And I think even Nine Inch Nails came out many years afterwards and said that Johnny Cash did a much better version than we did listen to his. So, um. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, kind of like Dolly Parton doing the same for Whitney Houston's rendition of I Will Always Love You, but that's a whole different song. Yeah. So. Well, even, um, yeah, I, I think that's a very good point that most people realize, think that's Whitney Houston's song, but it's actually, yeah, it's Dolly Parton's song. And I think, um, Prince had a song or somebody did a cover of it. Oh, it's, um, Nothing Compares to You, the Sinead O'Connor song that sort of was big in the early 90s. That was a Prince song that, uh, you know, everybody don't, doesn't realise originally was a Prince song. And there was um, a Natalie Imbruglia song called Torn. Uh, I'm sure you probably would have heard of it. She's Australian. It was huge here, but I'm pretty sure it did make it over to North America. Um, and then that was another one. I'll check it out. And there's another one of these songs that people think it's an original Natalie Imbruglia, but it was written and performed by a Swedish pop band a couple of years beforehand before Natalie Imbruglia made it big. But the point is, this is a, a haunting song. Um, I mean, I think it got a lot of traction in the last few years as well through Logan, um, the X-Men movie as well. But, I mean, it's been used a lot in numerous different media. But, yeah, as you just said, extremely appropriate here and kind of just straight away we're, we're into dark territory with this one because I guess we're kind of meant to believe that Sully's killed himself here. Or con- or contemplating it, at least. Well, even with that bang sound, though, that we hear just before we see the TV and then the TV goes fuzzy. It's I mean, I guess it's never really explained because we kind of get a few questions in this episode about, you know, did he, you know, chicken out or pass out? But, I mean, I guess it's never fully clarified whether or not he was going to do it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder, yep, I got you. like, how this was meant to play out or something along those lines. But obviously, a very powerful way to begin this uh, episode. And straight after the credits... Uh, we sort of have Sully still laying on this couch. The TV's all fuzzy. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the first season when, um, Davis is talking to him about how, you know, oh, I picture you sitting at home, um, in your underwear watching black and white TV. Um, sort of an, I got a colored television. Well, this is like his old school television still. I mean, I guess, okay, this is 2003. That's not really an old school television. It's probably still a new television back in 2003. Um, these days, yeah, it would be old. School. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so after the credits, uh, Sully's still on the couch, but then uh, a bunch of men come in and gag him, put a blindfold on him, put a bag over his head, tie him, handcuff him up, and kidnap him. And we're sort of thinking, what the hell's going on here? Sully's getting kidnapped. Can I just point out that uh, knowing, obviously, who these people are and that he's not actually legitimately being kidnapped, um, they don't lock the door as he leaves, and they don't turn the television off. Just two little subtle things that annoy the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find small things yeah. to nitpick about this brilliant episode. Um, <laughs> basically, Sully is driven out uh, into the sticks. We see him out in this forest, and then we see him getting his hood removed, and then who's there? We've got Davis, Bosco, and some random guy who is, uh, I guess, a representative of the police force. Um, and we... And someone who is... And someone who knows the effects of alcoholism and sobering up. Yeah, yeah. So we basically find out that um, this is really the only, well, a choice that uh, after Davis's phone call last week that they've been given is that they're going to take him out into the woods to help him dry out so that the police force doesn't find out because if the police force find out, they'll strip him of his pension, they'll fire him, and he'll have no chance to sort of recover. So this is sort of a an off-the-books way of helping him sober out and this guy basically tells Davis that um, it's best to do it out here because he's going to be very loud. Um, he's going to get abusive, uh, and he's going to say things to him that he's just going to ignore. It's just the alcohol talking out. 
and um, essentially says to him that uh, if things get completely terrible, you've got to give him a few sips of this alcohol, gives him a little bottle of scotch, and um, that just to really keep an eye on him. Um, I do like sort of in the setup for this, just, you know, we t- I think it was last week or the week before we mentioned with Bosco that it's few and far between when we get kind of these lighthearted, funny Bosco moments. And we, we get at least one here when he's sort of complaining about the radio on the way up, not wanting to listen to country all the way up. Um <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Yeah. And then we sort of got this bit when he's uh, poking at Sully when he's laying on the couch and he's just like, oh, he's like rubber man. We need some of this Valium out in the field. Um, so, yeah, we kind of get this set up. Bosco and everyone leaves and Davis is the first person to take a shift with Sully. So I, I don't know about you when you... Because I know obviously you have a bit of a different history with the show than I do. You kind of started watching the later seasons before going back to watch the earlier seasons. But I, I remember this episode being on TV and I remember watching this for the first time. Just... Like, so confused, like, what was going on. I'm like, well, this is very interesting, this is different. But it's it's not one of these ones where I sort of sit there going, oh, this is a terrible idea, what is happening? I was I was enthralled from the minute one of this episode, just wanting to find out what happened when I first saw this. And I think this is what is so good about this episode, uh, among many things, is that it's such a different take. It kind of, it's, it's almost pressing pause on this entire season, just to sort of, you know, dry Sully out. But it's done in such a way that is is very unique and very well crafted. And, you know, I sort of mentioned how this is kind of this season's Ohio or After Hours, you know, where it's kind of, it's completely nothing about the job. It's just a, it's a purely character-driven episode. But the obvious, obvious difference when it comes to this one is, is that I guess technically with Ohio and After Hours, there's a big connection to a job with it still. Obviously, Ohio, they're kind of waiting around at a p- political debate, so they're technically on the job while they're having all these conversations, and After Hours is kind of them all reflecting on having a pretty terrible night after a pretty tragic event that has happened that evening. This is purely just all about a character. It's not about the job. I mean, I guess you could argue that towards the end when we're talking about Davis's dad dying, but... This really reminded me of what ER used to do with a lot of these. Um, ER, it was nearly every season they would kind of do one of these ones where they would completely take it away. I know there was a, a Doug and um, uh, Dr. Green episode where they kind of had a road trip, obviously when Dr. Green died. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen ER. Um, it's been like 20 years, people, seriously, if you go off of me for that spoiler, Jesus Christ. Um, like when he was dying in Hawaii, we kind of had a whole episode about his last moments in Hawaii. Uh, all the episodes where Carter would go to, uh, Africa. I mean, there was just a lot of these episodes in ER. And you, this is, and this is really honestly going to be one of the last times we will ever get a real, I guess, ER feel about Third Watch. Because moving forward, you know, this show obviously changes completely. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like it just, I, the first time I saw this, absolutely enthralled. I don't know about you if you remember the first time you watched this episode. Yeah, it was when I was going through the whole show on YouTube back when it was up on YouTube. Um, and at that time, I'll be honest, I, I, I loved the episode, but at that time I was focused on just trying to get through the show. Mm. <laughs> um, but but I do remember it. I do remember it really well, though. It is it is one of the ones that that I definitely remember. Well, I think everyone and, would remember this episode. I think you know, like any third watch fan, surely would have to remember this episode. Yeah, and and even though at that time, like I said, I was trying to get through the show, um, I was I was thinking to myself during the during the whole episode, especially in the last few moments, I was like. I was like, man, 
Skip Suddeth is really showing off his acting chops here. I love it. Oh yeah, wonderful. Like I, I believe, I believe every word. I, be, I believed every word he was saying. I believed every emotion he was feeling. I mean, I'm convinced that Skip probably. And I know I say this a lot with act with actors who are really, really good at showing emotion and stuff like that. Emotions that their characters are meant to be feeling in a given moment. I'm convinced that a lot of that a lot of them probably use things that have happened to them to chant to bring those emotions out. Yeah. So I'm thinking Skip probably of course we wouldn't know, but I'm thinking Skip probably dug into maybe some probably dug into something from his past to bring out the, to bring out all those emotions. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah, well I mean I would assume that is just a given for most actors in this situation. I, I don't know, I'm not an actor, but I mean you know, I'm sure there are some actors out there who maybe haven't faced a lot of tragic events where they can really connect to that. But I mean for the most part, most people in life have, you know, faced some sort of adversity along the way so they can really channel into that. But I mean you know, you said it there with Skip Sardis, where we've, I swear we've built all the way up to this episode about how great he is and how he was robbed of even an Emmy nomination. And I think, you know, we're going to spend the majority of this episode saying that and we'll start now because you're absolutely right. I mean, he really should have won one. Look, I mean, yes, I agree. I'm going to be completely biased there and agree with you. I, I think just at the end of the day, the fact that it, he wasn't even nominated. And I'm going to pull up here at some point the, the Emmy nominees for that year for, for Outstanding Lead in a Show. I mean, I, I would almost say he'd be a guest, uh, not a guest, um, a support, because this is uh, probably the different the difficulties with um, Third Watch and its nominations, among many other things. In fact, obviously, that we know it wasn't necessarily a huge hit enough that it really faced a lot of this, you know, critics uh, from Emmys and everything along those lines. But... You know, do you put these people up in lead actor, lead actress, you know, supporting actor, supporting actress? Because, you know, we had that with Friends for a long time. The actors in Friends refused to put themselves out there for awards because they were, uh, you know, they were all in, to, in it together. They were all equal. That didn't None of them stood out. And it was kind of only in the later years that they basically said, oh, no, let's let's go for awards. And I believe at that point they all went for lead actors. And I think even ER they went for lead actors and actresses. So maybe we would go for for actor. But yeah, I, I really think just yeah. the fact that he wasn't even nominated because I mean we we often talk about how this show you know, how this is a network show and it's sort of, you know, a much different show to today is what it would be. And you've mentioned a lot of times that, you know, network shows generally took a lot more risks back then. But I think this is just really entering this, quote, golden age of television. It's still, as the network shows are dominating, you know, the, the ratings and also award shows and everything like that. I would be hard-pressed to see a more powerful performance, in one episode at least, from anybody at this time in TV. And... You know, and this is still at a time when the Sopranos are on the West Net, Wing twenty four. Network TV, anyway. but even even with network TV, you've still got to look at you know, as I said, Sopranos is on at this point, twenty four is on at this point, the West Wing's on at this point. You know, shows that are critical darlings when their acting abilities. And I'm not taking away from anybody from those shows because they all thoroughly deserve their awards. But you know, I watched ER for all fifteen seasons. And that had some great performances in it. But, I mean, I struggle at least one episode arc where one ep- ep- actor has just dominated an ep- episode so much. And some might argue that at the end of the day, 
you're not going to get um, you, you know a nomination for one episode. It's got to be a, an overarching series arc, and maybe they would argue that Third Watch, you know, and Skip Sardis didn't have quite the same length. But I would disagree with that because I think Skip gives his best work all season, and it just completely comes to a peak in this episode. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a travesty, absolute travesty that he was not at least even nominated. And I don't know how close he would have come in the, um, you know, the equation of being nominated. I'm sure NBC wrote in a campaign, you know, they put in, you know, for your consideration and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure they did every year. But this is one, this is one thing that probably if we, not because <laughs> probably not because as we've said many, many a time, NBC really didn't do much for for the, for this show. I just I just I fail to believe that they saw this episode and didn't even try. Like this is this is a thing where I would you know really think differently of NBC if they can watch this episode and not even think, "Holy fuck, Skip Sardis is pretty good. Maybe we should put in uh, for your consideration." So yeah, I think we'll never know. that uh, I'm mean, just looking here at the outstanding lead actor that uh, the nominees for the year of this one. So this is for the 2003 TV year, basically in the uh, 2004 Emmys, um, which actually no, it would be the 2003 Emmys, wouldn't it? Because Emmys are generally in September and this episode ended in February. So right. Okay, we'll go back a year. Um, so if we look at, um, outstanding lead actor in a drama series in 2003. So the winner, of course, that year, as he generally was at every year at this point, was James Gandolfini in The Sopranos. And it is, they purely do have here the episode for Whitecap. So they kind of do submit it on an episode basis, alright? So we had James Gandolfini winning in that year. Other nominations, and you look at the majority of these kind of are those big name actors. Um, because you've got to also realise that this was in a time of TV when not a lot of these A-listers went to TV. You know, kind of like Keith Sutherland was sort of one of the first, really, to really make that switch um, to TV as opposed to movies. So Keith Sutherland was nominated that yeah. year um, for 24. Martin Sheen for The West Wing. Michael Chiklis, we talked about mm. him recently uh, on The Shield. And Peter Krause uh, in Six Feet Under. Now, all shows that were just incredibly awarded a lot. Um, that made no sense. Awarded a lot. Um, so, obviously, they're going to have the um, the standout there. Now, look, I will be honest, out of all those shows, I've only ever watched The West Wing in 24. I've never seen Six Feet Under the Shield or The Sopranos. Um, so, I'm sure a lot of people who are screaming at our speakers right now saying that they're much better shows with much better acting, maybe. But again, like, just on this one episode alone, how can he not squeeze in there with a nomination? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to... I don't know. Beat this I to the cows know. come home, Darvel. Peter Krause, though, interesting. Um, he, of course, is in 911 at the moment. So, um, sort of a weird connection to Third Watch in a long-winded way. Um, so, there you go. Yeah. But, uh, I see, I mean, how good would have that been? Having Skip started up against Kiefer Sutherland in the best acting capabilities there. Um, really good. A lot of people would probably be going, wait, who? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who the hell is this Skip Suttoth guy? Uh, one thing I'll say too, and I think it's important to, to add this as well, is, um, I also really want to stand out and talk about, um, Kobe Bell's acting in this episode as well. Um, yes. Because, I mean, and, and Jason was, no one has bad acting in this yep. episode. For the most part, they don't ever have bad act- acting. Let's be watch. real here, though. This episode belongs to Skip. Belongs to Skip. Um, but I think in kind of this one, watching it as well, like just Kobe Bell, particularly in the last scene, really kind of, really 
good acting chops there from Kobe. But anyway, we'll get back to the episode. So Davis is alone here with Sully, and D- Sully's sort of just coming to grips with what is happening to him right now. Um, so Sully leaves the house. Davis wakes up, finds him walking around, and Sully's saying he's going to hit a highway eventually. Um, and Davis just sort of lets him walk out there and says he'll be back in the cabin cooking eggs. Um and Day- Sally's sort of trying to say to him, like, I'll go to AA, no arguments. And Davis is like, yeah, you're going there too, but you're going here to dry out, do first of all. Um, Davis is trying to question him about the gun in his hand, but Sally doesn't say anything. Um, we've got Davis back in the uh, cabin trying to talk to Sully about things, wants to play cards with him. But then sort of when Sully starts to get a little bit aggro with him and he starts to telling him that um he doesn't want to be around him you're much better with without me um sort of going off him saying you couldn't go to law school because you couldn't cut it and throughout all of this it's mixed in with sully having these flashbacks and visions i guess of everything that's kind of happened to him and it's it's edited really really well i mean this could have been one of these moments where it's very cheesy it's very over the top but it's just you constantly get these sort of visions that he's having and the way it's sort of edited when he keeps sort of seeing Tatiana falling down and him pointing a gun and they sort of mix that up with him pointing a gun and shooting it at Chevchenko, but then they edit that with Davis getting shot about a year ago. Um, we even get at one point, um, I think it's when he's out in the forest for the second time, uh, a flashback to the season two premiere when he's getting shoved in the coffin and he's got his fear of being buried alive. So... Um, they've really sort of dug out some... Uh, I wondered what that was. Yeah, they've really dug out some great vision of some, some moments of his build-up. So it's it's great. It's so good editing. I'm not going to go through every single one of those scenes when it comes to it, but just I do love right. these vision flashbacks that they have. You know, sort of we have the moment when he's looking at the fire and the log falls out and it kind of looks like Tatiana's arm and just things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, he, in one of these moments, he wakes up, screams for Davis, and then we realise that Davis has gone back home, and Bosco's there, he's gonna be the warden for the next 24 hours. Um, and it's, it's kind of, I do like the Bosco moments when he's with him, because I think you need this, I think it's good that they do give Bosco here a chance to sort of look after him. Um, because, you know, we, we've gone over Bosco and what he's like, and I think the way they tie this into his background of, of everything that's happened in his family as well works really well. So, I mean, I'm just going to kind of skim through all of this and then we can have a bit of a chat about it. Um, yeah. Bosco essentially, uh, talking about wood chopping, how it's great exercise and how people spend billions of dollars on exercise equipment and all they have to do is, um, come and chop some wood. Sully's looking for some alcohol and Bosco is telling him well, there's none in there. Um, Sully's having some vision of some blood on his hands uh, throughout all these visions as well. Bosco starts questioning him about the gun, whether he chickened out or he passed out. Um, Bosco talking about his family. And then this is where Sully kind of sees a bit of an opening and he's trying to, I guess, really bait Bosco, saying that he sounds like a screwed up family. Uh, Laughs when Bosco tells him about his mother getting beat up. Um, and yeah, then he sort of question says to Bosco, you know, take your gun out, you know, let's see if I chickened out or passed out. And Bosco obviously at the time says no, but then it kind of builds up a little bit more when Bosco is, I think he's gone to sleep. Sully's having some more visions. And then we kind of have this great sort of moment between them. Um, and I've, I've written down here potential top five nominee, but I think that there's another scene in this episode that, you know, takes this one over. Um, 
And then essentially Sully really starts to bait Bosco saying, you don't like me. I don't like you. Um, tries to get the gun under Bosco's bed and, um, starts crying. Bosco starts going off him. Everybody's crying. Everybody's crying. You know, what about me? You know, it's always other people. Sully just basically absolutely goes off at him saying that his dad drinks because he can't stand you. He beats a mother out of, beats your mum because she's ashamed that she had you. Uh, everybody hates you and gets to the point where Bosco points a gun to Sully's head. And any other moment, I would think this is ridiculous and over the top because what show has a main character pointing a gun at another character's head when they're cops? But everything works in this scene with it. And Sully's obviously saying, you know, crying and begging Bosco to do it. And Bosco just says, nope, you know, I'm not going to make it easy for you. Um, and then we get to the next morning. Uh, well, it's not really the next morning. It's kind of, well, I guess it would be very early morning because it kind of goes to daylight. Uh, Sully gets up, sees Bosco's about to fall asleep playing solitaire on the table, whacks him over the back of the head with a piece of wood, and then he does a runner. So that's kind of all the Bosco stuff. But yeah, a lot to unwrap yeah. in there, but just some such powerful stuff. And again, in an episode, I agree with you, it's all about Skip Sutter. He owns this episode, but special props here for Jason Wiles and kind of just his... You know, back and forth here with Sully because it really is powerful, engaging television. Yes, and I'm actually surprised that Bosco didn't go, didn't like completely lose it on Sully sooner. Mm. Although, although you, I mean, you could argue he never actually lost it. I mean, just because we, I mean, you said it, we know what Bosco's like. We know he's very short-tempered. Yeah. So it's like, damn, how did Bosco not just completely blow up at Sully? Mm. Yeah, and I think I agree with you, but I think it's kind of it shows that edge to Bosco where we've talked about kind of a lot recently with the crew stuff where yeah, Bosco's, you know, got a short fuse and kind of is hot-headed, but deep down we know he cares and like he's a caring person. And kind of it's it's well balanced in this episode that you know he's sort of complaining about the drive on the way up there and sort of passing jokes and everything at the beginning, but he's trying to understand Sully. I mean, again, going back to what I was saying about how he's got a family of this. He knows what to expect. So this is why it's a good thing that he's here. And it's kind of, they could have easily passed this episode as one where, you know, they brought Jokas into this and they brought Swirsky into this and somehow found a way to bring Jimmy into it and Carlos, you know, and sort of everyone who really is just there to get a, you know, a show reel of all the main people. But I think the people that they do bring into this all have a valid reason for being there. Davis, obviously. Doc, he's a paramedic and he knows Sully for a long time. And then even Bosco, who we know Bosco and Sully haven't exactly been the besties. And they say it. They say, like, I don't like you. You don't like me. But it it makes sense, I think. Um, And there's just always subtle moments between Bosco and Sully. Even in the last season, when we get to sort of very near the end, we kind of have a nice few little moments, don't we, between Bosco and Sully when they're kind of partnered up for a while there. So... Um, yeah, yeah, and and they and and it's then that I think they really, they really grow to understand each other. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. And I think kind of it is a slow build of stuff that you know maybe I've not given a lot of credit to this show for doing for a while, and there are little moments where they do this, but um, great stuff. And yeah, this the whole gun pointing scene is just it's wow it's very full on and kind of in your face but and in any other season where we're struggling for top fives um we don't kind of have some other episodes where there's lots of moments in an episode um this definitely would be further in the conversation because i think we're going to find this season when it comes to that top five we obviously know that there's going to be two moments from one episode two moments from another um there's potentially two in this one but maybe one that will take the cake um 
So for a season where kind of all the moments come in the space of about three or four episodes. So, um, interesting kind of to look at it that way. Um, so Bosco is, uh, knocked out, but he gets, comes to when Davis shows up, hears some yelling in the forest. Bosco walks out with some ice in his head and, uh, should have mentioned that Bosco had initially taken away Sully's shoes so there wouldn't be a repeat of what he did with Davis. So Davis and Bosco go hunting out in the woods for shoeless Sully. Um, and this is, again, where Sully's having a lot more flashbacks along the way. Davis and Bosco have a bit of a fight. Great has some Bosco and Davis moments, few and far between between these two. Yeah. Um, and sort of Bosco telling him that, like, if he wants to drink, let him drink. And then Davis is like, look, he'd do this for me. Um, we kind of get some moments there where... And he would. Yeah, true. And Bosco talking about how we've all thought about it, like, with the gun in his hand. So it's very powerful stuff. Again, like, it's kind of one of these shows where, again, not a lot of credit, but, like, they're essentially admitting that everybody thinks about suicide, and at no point does Davis step in and say, like, no, we don't, don't be silly. So it's kind of, you know, just a... a f- job, you know, a job, job like that, mm-hmm. and not, not, to, not to shit on that profession, because God knows I do... I do have a lot of respect for those who, who, who do jobs like that and, and, you know, first responders and stuff. Job like that, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if that, if Bosco is indeed right. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's just, it's such a powerful way to sort of cover it and just, it's done very, very well. Uh, obviously he's questioning Davis about who is he really trying to help. And Davis, you know, again, just really trying to stand for that he's trying to help Sully with everything and it's not about him. And kind of, again, the, the contrasting natures of these two police officers about, you know, Bosco kind of having a bit of a selfish attitude, assuming everyone's helping themselves, whereas Davis really is going out of his way to, to help Sully. I will say quickly too, the scenery here is great. Wherever they chose his cabin, it looks fantastic with this lake and the snow and everything. It looks absolutely fantastic. Um, they find- I wonder if it's the same cabin that we see at the end of the series. I, I don't think so. I, I mean, look, one's in snow, one's not. And I don't think we really see a cabin as such. We kind of just see Sully on a lake. And, I mean, there is a lake here. It's just frozen over. So, I mean, it very much could be because they do look very different in winter and summer. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Could be. That's yeah. that's a that's a skip start of the question or somebody else for, uh, you know, a later date when we get on the show. Um they find Sully, he's shouting out, leave him alone, get him away. Uh, this is where he admits that he killed Chevchenko, uh, that he never drew his gun. Um, and then Sully really gets personal with Davis, where he basically says, looking at you makes me remember, I never wanted you near me, I hate you. Um, so, wow, deep stuff, really kind of packing the punches. Yeah. And again, just the acting from Skip Sutter, like, there's just, there's not a bad moment from Skip Sutter in this episode. No. It's just... No. uh, This is, this is really just like going back to your point where you're saying, like, really kind of digging into the emotional vault. Um, it just would have been fascinating to be on the set, kind of watching an actor get into that zone because, I mean, there are so many times when you hear about actors not breaking character in between takes and kind of really getting in there. And whilst I don't doubt that you know, Skip Silas is a professional, he can kind of do that. But, like, to do an episode of this emotional impact, um, you know, it would have been just fascinating to see just how you stay in that zone. Um, so, I mean, that's definitely something that we would, you know, put to Skip, um, you know, shall we ever get him on the show? If you ever get... I was going to... Yeah, if you, if you ever get him on... He, he doesn't... From what little from what little I know of him, I don't think he does very many interviews or anything like that. Well, look, 
he just strikes me as being very reclusive. Well, I, I will say kind of at the time of at least recording this episode, and I know we've sort of given updates here and there sort of about our contact with some of these people. And Skip's someone that we have been in contact with. I've had conversations with him on Twitter. Um, and he's he's always very keen to come on the show, but we just can never sort of find out a, a way of getting it to happen. And recently, uh, he, again, similar thing, messaged me, said he'd love to do it. Uh, and then kind of just the conversation trail sort of slowly ended. But um, uh, we are now friends on Facebook. So there is kind of a, a little bit more wow. of a... A trail there, but it's, it's definitely something that I don't give up on. Anybody who knows me and kind of when it comes to these shows about getting people on the show, I never generally give up. So, uh, at least at the time of recording this, um, skips out of these, you know, a hopeful sim- similar to Jason Wiles. Again, both people I've had conversations with about coming on. It's just a matter of when it will happen. Both are keen to do it. It's just hopefully that, um, you know, schedules will meet and things will happen where we can get it done. So uh, I'm hopeful that right. it will happen. Uh, you know, we've been persistent with these people. Which which has worked in the past. Obviously, we've got a few people on the show, which has kind of, you know, helped us with some interviews. So, yeah, and obviously Skip and Jason would be two huge ones to get on this show um, because we haven't had a main police officer character actor on this show. It's sort of only been the the paramedics that we've had. Not that we're complaining. We're not taking away from uh, the great people we've had on this show. But, um, you know, it would be great to kind of speak to someone more so about the police side of things in a little bit more detail than we've had in the past. So uh, just watch this space. I mean, who knows? At the time of releasing this, it could have happened. Um, So Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Um, we've got, uh, Sully, meanwhile's back in the cabin. He's shaking. He's crying. This is just such powerful stuff. Just watching him just in the background. I'm not really even saying anything here. Just kind of like the, the reactions to, to alcohol and everything that's kind of leaving his body. Um, the withdrawal and the withdrawal. Yes. Thank you. Um, and yes. then, uh, Bosco and Davis kind of just really starting to question it. Like, what do we do here? What do we do? You know, maybe we should give him a drink. Um, and Davis is kind of like, look, you know, the only he's meant to be if it's for a seizure. And then the one thing I do have to question is when Bosco goes, do you know what a seizure looks like? And Davis goes, no. And like, for all we know, he could be having one. I'm sorry, you've been on the job for a and, decade, Bosco, uh, and Davis, you went to law school and a pretty intelligent person. Knowing what a seizure looks like is pretty standard practice. I think they know what a seizure is. Yeah, but, and, but also, though, I mean, look who shows up right when they're, right when they're having that convo. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of yeah. get that, um, that, I guess, uh, transition where they say, where's Doc? He should be on the way. Um, but I mean, I just, I think that in their line of duty, they've come across people having seizures before. So, um, but yes, Doc, Probably. Doc shows up just at the nick of time. Um, and he helps Sully out, gives him an IV, gives him some electrolyte sort of powder and basically sort of saying that how this is a dangerous thing to do. This should be something that professionals should be doing. Um, and through all of this, um, Davis and Bosco have a bit of a conversation outside. I do like it when Bosco says to Davis, uh, I've been hit harder before. Um, so checks on his head. Um, Bosco is offered to go home and rest, but he says he's going to stick this out. So he goes to the toilet. Meanwhile, Davis and Doc have a conversation outside. Again, another one of these moments. I'm glad to see Davis and Doc get some screen time together. Um, yes. here's some great conversation when Sully sort of, uh, sorry, Doc saying that he hasn't seen him this bad since his dad died. So is that implying that he was an alcoholic when his dad died too? I don't know. Um, but through all this conversation, Sully is faking to be asleep. He hears, Doc and Davis say that there is a bottle of alcohol hidden under the sink. So he goes hunting for it. 
Um, Doc's complimenting Davis, saying that it's a really good thing that he's doing. Doesn't think it's a smart thing that he's doing, but says it's a good thing to do. And then this kind right. of this leads us and in. It is. Now this leads us into, I think. A, I'm just going to say this right now. Argument for the top five, absolutely. And this might be the fifth one that does take us into the top five territory. Um, although there is one next episode too, which I think will also come into the very, you know, the top of this conversation as well. Um, so Davis catches Sully under the sink trying to find a drink. Now, this also leads into the scene where I definitely have a huge issue with. Um, so this is where I might be like, look, this, this is a powerful scene that I think deserves to be in the top five, but at the same time, it's got plot holes galore in it that really take away from it as well. But we'll talk about this, that maybe there is reasons behind why there are plot holes. So Sully, Sully's trying to find the alcohol. Davis gives it to him and he's basically like, go on, have a drink. You know, we're going to stand here and watch you drink. Uh, Sully's like, go away, go away. And they're like, no, we're going to watch you here do it. And this is when we hear Sully say, I'm not worth any of this. And Dave's like, yes, you are. And this is now when we get the revelation that Sully says that the bullet that killed your father to Davis was meant for me. Now, this is all like shock. Oh, my God. What plot twist, plot twist, plot twist. He looks at Doc, says, Doc knows. Go on, Doc. You know this. And Doc sort of has a look of shame on his face, doesn't say anything. Now, I've written down this as word for word as best as I can. Now, I want to read this out word for word because this is our conversation point where we might have to have some loose spoilers for something that happens in season six. But Sully says, Okay. I put screws on the guy hard. I made him meet us in that park to tell us who his suppliers were. I knew that he was going to roll them, but I didn't care. I had the leverage and was going to use it. Your old man, he said I was pushing this guy into a corner. He couldn't get out of it and I wasn't smart. But seeing as how he was supporting two families and stealing every dollar he could to get his hands on, I didn't think he was a good person to take advice. Now, he's in Interrupted then by Davis shoving Sully. And um, I'm going to come back to this. Just I'll just go through what happens in the scene, first of all. Um, Davis, this okay. is some great Kobe Bell stuff when he's just screaming at Sully, telling him to have a drink. You know, he doesn't care anymore. Sully breaks down and says that every good thing in my life uh, dies. Your dad died. Tatiana, you nearly died. And then Davis, great work here from Kobe Bell, just stands up and says that, you know, it's not you. I know what I'm doing. Uh, and you know, defends Sully, that Tatiana died when her son died, Your fa- um, you were next to my dad, that's where you should be, and I'm always next to you, we're family, we're partners, I'm always going to be here. And then we kind of conclude with this great sort of silence of this scene where Sully sort of looks at the bottle, thinks about it, and eventually hands it to Davis, and then says, now what? And now we go home. And then it ends, they hug, and then we've got this um, great shot of the car driving back into the city, with Bosco driving, Sally just in quiet, David in the back seat quiet, and we get a great shot of the city driving back into New York, and that's the end of the episode. But okay, yeah, I need we need great to talk about way this. To end it. It's I mean it's absolutely fantastic. It's gripping the acting, everything about this is amazing, and it just reiterates my point that Skip Sutter should have been nominated for an Emmy. This scene alone <laughs> owns he owns everything. Um, just so amazing. But Darvel, we have to talk about this now. Okay, we know that come season six, this is going to be explored. The whole thing about Davis's dad being killed and everything that happened is fully explained. We get flashbacks. We get kind of a, you know, at least a five, six episode arc on what happened, which yes. I'm going to say is maybe the highlight of season six. And that's saying something. I mean, there's not a lot of highlights of season six, but that arguably is the best story. But that's one of them. 
I, I would say it probably is the best storyline of season six. And I'm so glad that they went back and revisited this and talked about this. But right now, spoiler alert, if you've not seen season six, none of what he said in this speech is the truth. None of this is what happens in season six. And this is where we're yeah, talking but... about a plot hole. And this is the only problem I have with this episode because let's be honest here. And you and I sort of talked a little bit about this off air that yes, we did. there are probably plenty of reasons and excuses behind this because as we know, really at this point in the show, third watch was kind of a season per season show. It wasn't always renewed. It always was, wasn't it? I think season one, season two were kind of like season two was kind of announced pretty early. I think I could be wrong, but yeah, I think maybe from that point on, it was season by season, you know, it was kind of always renewed mid season and they didn't really know. So it's not like they had a long term plan with what they could do with things. I mean, we've obviously gone over that sort of pre nine 11 and everything with plans and that had to change. But I think the first, but I, I ask that. Oh, sorry. There you go. Please go. Yeah. I, I ask that because I, I read an interview with Ed, ben- I read an interview that was done with Ed Bonero, uh, when third watch was about ready to do its final few episodes at that time, it was on hiatus because NBC was, Making room for Law and Order trial by jury, mm-hmm. which did not last long, um, and he and he and the story said that um, that you know it was nothing new for the show because at that time they didn't know for sure if they were going to come back for a seventh season or not. And Ed Benero said something like, "We've never ended a season knowing we were back." Mm. Yeah, I think I, I vaguely remember seeing that too. So maybe yeah. I- I mean, the man himself said it, so I'm, I'm, I'm wrong there. I just, I just don't know where I saw that or read that somewhere about it being sort of brought up. But anyway, so I think this is the one thing we need to obviously point out here is that at the time of this episode, when they don't know that they're coming back, they probably don't know that they're ever going to revisit this storyline. So for all they knew at the time, this is what was going to be the end. This was going to be the conclusion of this Davis' dad storyline, and this is kind of a reveal. So that, A, could be a reason behind it. B, maybe they were planning on revisiting this and using this as a storyline, so they're setting it up potentially for Season 5 or a later thing if they get the chance to revisit it. Because let's be honest, this tale of events that Sully tells, I want to know more. I want to know why. Um, you know, he was there and kind of, you know, we get the explanation, but there's still stuff that we can go into it. So maybe they were right. setting that up for it. So I think kind of we've really got to look at it there and say, okay, there are reasons behind there as a plot hole. But the, the thing, though, that I will say that I think isn't excusable is that when eventually they get to season six, they've been renewed, they know they're coming back for season six, they're sitting around the writer's table and they say, okay, then let's go back and revisit the death of Davis's dad. Okay, great. Why isn't there somebody in that room or somebody who goes, hey, remember that episode in season four? Because that was only basically a season prior, a season of like four episodes prior to season six, and say, hey, this is what we said, let's expand on that further. Or if you're not going to do that at least have a line from Sully or something in that story arc that says, hey, remember when I told you that I was wrong or something like that or I saw things differently. You just need a passing line that can explain this over because to me, this is as almost then a, ble- a biggest glaring hole as when they forget the name of Doc's dead wife, <laughs> which like this is things that you have in a little black book on the desk of your main writers and Ed Alan Bonero and John Wells and people involved in this show 
to remember things <laughs> because this is a pretty glaring thing that you're going to miss over <laughs> in a season of four episodes. So I don't know if you have much of an opinion on it, but it just this is the one thing that kind of, yes, you can have some excuses for it, but at the same time, I think this is inexcusable that they kind of gel over this when we get to this storyline in a season and a bit's time. Well, I still say that given... When it, when it came back for its sixth season, um, at that point, you know, it was really, 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 really a toss-up as to whether or not it would even make it back. And I, I know we've established that, but at that point it was kind of a, a last minute thing. Um, and they still had a whole bunch of other things to, to consider going into it. They, I don't know. They probably had to, they probably had to rush to come up with things. Mm. And in the, cause I don't, I don't know exactly when it was announced in the summer of 04 that Third Watch would be coming back for a fifth season. I mean, I mean for a sixth, I'm sorry. But I think it was relatively late. Mm-hmm. So they probably wouldn't have had time to go back and, and look at that and say, and say, hey, Sully said this in the cabin. Let's expand on that. No, let's, but rather they decided to say, no, let's make it, let's make it so that a, I'm not going to say who, but let's make it so that a high-ranking police official was the one who ordered who ordered the hit. Yeah, I get it. Like I I'm not saying you you're wrong. I I think that's legitimately probably how it works. I just feel that like this is something that I mean it's it's got to be somewhere fresh on the minds with people and that it at least can Perhaps. be addressed. I mean just think about, like, okay, let's use Lost as an example. Um, you know, okay. just about to start on TV about a year after this episode. And Lost is often regarded as a show where they leave glaring plot holes and they never answer the questions that they set open. Now, one thing that Noah and I are discovering and we're doing as we go along and watching it, we're keeping track of the questions that are raised and then we're ticking these off along the way. And I just recently rewatched uh the show in what's called chronological loss where somebody's re-edited the whole thing in absolute chronological order so they've gotten all the flashbacks put them in order of like how they happen on a time frame it's brilliant it's like it's a really interesting way of watching the show and there are moments where say like two events happen in let's say 1996 that you know were involved in flashbacks and one, say, was from season one, and one was, say, from season five. But when you watch them chronologically, like, happening straight after each other, it flows beautifully, and they're answered. And it's brilliant. It's so brilliant, and it works a treat. And Lost is often ripped into shreds for not answering questions and not having continuity, when I would argue it's one of the shows that has the best continuity and answers questions when you actually watch it all back-to-back. So I think that there are ways that writers can keep track of little things, and... Don't get me wrong. When we get to oh, season, I don't, I don't doubt w- that. When we get to season six and we get to the moment where they completely change Doc's wife's name, that is the biggest sin I think they ever create in this show. I just feel that this is again legitimately something they could have easily just quickly noted. So, yeah, again, I'm not taking away anything you said. I think you're completely right. Um, but I just again, I feel as though this is something that, yeah is a little bit where we just can't let this fly without, you know, giving them a bit of a negative mark for how it all turns out. Yeah. But thankfully it's not so big that it 
takes a, that it takes away from the episode no, as a whole. Absolutely not. And like this is the thing that I wanted to point out, sort of, um, you know, last week when I brought this up, and you know, you sort of as soon as we got off air, the first thing you said, "What is it, Ben? What is it, Ben? What's the thing you're talking about?" It 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 does not take away from the episode. There's no way this is such a big thing that I'm like, "Oh, this episode would have been good except for this." Absolutely not. Um, and there's no way that. I mean, as I said, like, I still think this scene at the end is top five worthy, and it might end up being in our top five. I don't know. Um, this is what we were discuss in our season recap. <clears throat> but, I mean, mm-hmm. there is a definite negative to the fact that, you know, it doesn't pay out the way we should. But then I guess the argument is, should we really punish this moment for... Um, I guess, not playing out, whereas we should be looking this at the time. And if you're watching this, as I said, when I first watched this episode, it's a great episode, you're captivated. And at the time, if you're watching this, knowing nothing of season six, if this is the very first time you've ever watched Third Watch, then you're thinking, oh my God, that's a big revelation. Like, I can't wait for them to explore this a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I'm really ranting a lot here, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) What else is new? (laughs) That is, that is, that is very true. Um, but yes, um, still, I, I feel it was definitely a need to be talked about. Uh, we've talked about it. Um, so yes, but last call, we're, we're done with it now. Anything else you want to add before we get into the, the ratings of it? Nope, and I'm pretty sure what both of us are doing for the ratings. Yeah, definitely binning it. This episode's terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say right now, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Peter Krauss. I like you in 911. And I'm sure you were great in Six Feet Under. I'm officially removing you from the Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series category and putting up uh, Skip Sutteth in um, in Third Watch. I wonder if I could just edit the... Uh, I might just quickly edit the uh, Wikipedia page and take a screenshot of it. <laughs> um, so do, do you think I'll, uh, you know, get into too much trouble here? I mean, it's not like they can ever find out. Uh, who, who did it? I mean, because we all know with Wikipedia, you could put anything. You could put anything on Wikipedia. Well, I mean, look, we've done this before in other episodes on the Oz Network, and it's kind of it stayed there for like five minutes, and then it takes away. So, okay, this is going to be live on air. So, if I just quickly go, skip Suddeth as uh, John Sully Sullivan on <laughs> third watch. Episode last call, and we put, uh, oops, let's move along here to NBC. Now, they do some really weird, like, little linking things here on Wikipedia. Just bear with me for Yeah, them. they do. Uh, so if I go there, and we go there, and so if I then press publish changes, and I'll put a screenshot of this. There we go. Look at that. Doesn't that look fantastic? Uh, <laughs> this looks absolutely brilliant. All right. So we're going to screenshot that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be changed pretty promptly. But, uh, this is how. Yeah. Let's keep an eye on it. See how long it takes. This is how it should have looked. Um, <laughs> for. <laughs> People head to our our website. The awards and nominations (laughs) section. Yes, people can head to our uh, website and uh, it will be there uh, just for people to check out what we've done. Because I think, like, it's important that we change history. (laughs) It needs to be changed because this is a robbed moment in the history of... It really is. Robbingness. Yep. 
If the... uh, but def- a definite a definite buy for this episode, by the oh, way. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, we are both buying this. And I will say, you said at the beginning this would be in your top five. Before you just go over that, I'll say I'll put this at number three. Um, I wanted to put it at, like, I just, I can't displace After Hours and Self-Importance of being Carlos. I just think they're permanently my top two. But, um, I mean, already I put Judgment Day Part 2 as number three earlier this season, but I've already replaced it with Last Call. And I'll say this right now, I don't think anything will touch the top five as of right now. Um, uh, <laughs> moving forward. Um, maybe there's two episodes next season which could sneak into the top ten. But um, right now, for sure, um, yeah, yeah. Last call. One three. that I one that I think we can definitely put in the top ten is, and I think, and I know I've said this. One I think we could definitely put in the top ten is No More Forever. Yeah, that's that's definitely one that I'm thinking of, and I'm also thinking of uh, the hundredth episode next season as well. So, um, a call for help. Yeah, yeah. Which is just it's just one that I just think is just such a clever, clever episode. Um, so yeah, just watch this space, but I mean, look, uh, stranger things have happened, but I'm pretty certain that nothing in season six is going to even remotely closely crack the top 10. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we will I mean, there will be some good episodes, but yeah, I mean, look, yeah. there's some, there's some, there's also talk about vampires. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure the vampire stuff won't make it in there. Uh, not even if we did a top 20. <laughs> uh, not even if we did a top 130, which is basically, you know, two more episodes. Uh, the whole damn yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll be back next week then for Everybody Lies. Uh, another solid episode, actually, to be honest. Um, it yeah. Kind of, it really starts, we've got sort of a four, I mean, it's not, it's not officially classified as a four-part finale, but we really start off. Uh, what's going to happen towards the end. We meet Aaron Noble for the first time. Tom Berenger's in the show. We meet him. Um, we get a little bit Good more... Good actor. With, great actor. We get a little bit more with Carlos and, um, you know, his situation as well, post-firing. Uh, and we also really start to ramp up the Bosco versus Yoka sort of uh, situation that's happening. I will say, I think next week really has a vibe about it that really kind of feels like it's a season one or season two episode. So that's where I think next week is... Really? A, yeah, I just I really just think it's got a definite vibe about it, which it feels like it's an old school episode. So that's why I think I enjoy a lot of what happens next week. And it's, again, one of these moments where I think you've got to make the most of it because moving forward after this season, it's very few and far between when you feel you've got that old school vibe anymore of the show. So... Anyway, classic third watch. Classic yeah. third watch. But uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Skip started you were robbed. We've screenshotted you as an Emmy nominee, so let's just point that out there again. Uh, everybody, please like us on Facebook. Follow you us on Twitter. You can send that to him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> follow us uh, on all the social media channels, and uh, remember to get involved and get excited because you're loving this show. That's our third watch, of course. You're not probably loving the Oz Network, but we're trying to make you love it in the same way. Uh, my name is Ben, and I'm going to go back to the cabin. I'll make some eggs. Alrighty. Sounds delicious. My name's Darville, and if you want to drink, go ahead and drink. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.